Happy New Year 2022. I come today with this first episode of the year with a message um, to call the dead back to life. I'm speaking to the dry bones and saying, live in the name of Jesus. Let this be a source of encouragement, a reset, a reminder of who God is and who we are in him. Let's go. So I'd like to start by reading a passage from the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'll read bits and bobs, particularly verses 28 to 30. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 28 to 30. And I'm reading in the complete Jewish Bible, but I will repeat some of those names in English to ease understanding. So what's happening here? The Philistines or Pelishtim are assembled for war against Israel. They have brought out their champion. Everybody freaks out because he's tall, he's big, um, and, and they don't know what to do to defeat him. Somebody rises up to the challenge. That's the setting. Okay, right. Let's start by reading verses 28 to 30. Eliav, his oldest brother, heard when David spoke to the man, and it made Eliav angry with him. He asked, Why did you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You just came down to watch the fighting. David said, What have I done now? I only asked a question. He turned away from him to someone else and asked the same question, and the people gave him the same answer. So what, what is Eliab, as many pronounce his name in English, what's Eliab so mad, angry at his brother for? There's a, a champion, a, a, a giant, okay, from Gad, named Goliath, who's standing there, and not only is he standing there imposing, huge, taller than everyone, bigger than everyone, he's also constantly speaking. He's also constantly speaking. He is threatening them. He's, he's insulting Israel. He's laughing at them. He is uh, just saying these things that will discourage the people of Israel. Okay? And, um... David, who was sent to bring some food to his brothers because he was younger, he was too young to be actively in the army, comes, sees this, and his spirit gets irritated. His spirit gets irritated. So he, he, he looks at what's happening. You have Israel on one side with a battle line, the Polish team on the other with a battle line. David leaves everything that he brought and goes to the troops to see his brothers, ask if they are well. And as he's speaking to his brothers, he sees this champion, Goliath, Goliath, saying the same words as before, threatening Israel, etc. And he notices that when the soldiers on the, Israel, on the, on the Israeli side, the Israel, Israel's camp, see the man, they run away terrified. And, 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 they're, and they're saying, what, it's funny how the mouth is important in this passage. 
funny how you can read a passage in the Bible and not notice things. And at the right time, you suddenly notice truth that will move you forward. Praise God for his spirit moving through the words in the Bible. The soldiers from Israel, that's verse 25, said to each other, You saw that man who just came up? He's come to challenge Israel. To whoever kills him, the king will give a rich reward. He'll also give him his daughter and exempt his father's family from all service and taxes in Israel. David said to the men standing with him, What reward will be given to the man who kills this Pelishti and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Pelishti anyway that he challenges the armies of the living God? So you can see that they were focusing on the reward, the soldiers were focusing on the reward on the daughter, etc., etc. But what David was, was focusing on was the way this giant was disgracing Israel, was shaming Israel, was challenging the armies of the living God. So they told him what would happen. And then Eliab, his oldest brother, hears what David speaks, what David is saying, verse 28. It makes him angry. We've read that. And he tries to discourage him. Okay? But David is not phased. Verse 29, we read it. David said, what have I done now? I only asked a question. Verse 30, he turned away from his brother to someone else and asked the same question. And the people gave him the same answer. Okay? So David was asking people, they were saying da-da-da-da-da, and he was saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? That's in the Amplified. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace of his taunting from Israel again? So he keeps going around with a different discourse, with different words that come from a different attitude of heart, that come from a different faith. Not a faith in the size of this giant and the fact that he has all the physical uh, uh, power and, and, and training to, to uh, tear down Israel, but the faith in the God who has a track record of saving Israel. This brings us to the title of this episode, I mean part of the title, There is a Cause. You may wonder where I got that from. Well, in the King James Bible version and the New King James Version, it says, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? That's verse 29. What have I done now? David replies to his brother Eliath. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to speak truth? Is there not a cause to believe? Is there not a cause to fight for? Is there not a cause to stand in agreement with what God says about us, about our world? about our, our loved ones, about uh, 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 the challenges that we face, is there not a cause? There is a cause. You see, this story of David and Goliath is a very, very good one. It's, it's, it's literally the gift that keeps on giving. Because it reminds us that we actually have a choice in the things that we choose to believe, the things that we say, in taking our faith and putting it into action, applying it to God's promises and his faithfulness in agreement with what God says about who we are and about what his uh, uh, will is, in order to, in a way, fight the good fight, in a, it, to embrace the cause of God, to take responsibility for the restoration of all things unto God. 
See, the enemy wants us to focus on what has not changed in terms of prayers that seem yet unanswered, things we have been hoping for that we haven't yet seen. But this is Yahweh. This is Yahweh. This is Yahweh. He does not change. His power does never, never, is never shaken, never diminished in any way. His authority supersedes all things. The, the only true God who watches over his word to, to accomplish it. That's in the book of Jeremiah. Yahweh is the only true God who watches over his word to accomplish it. And there is a cause for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And, and, and you can make it personal to, to make it more relevant to you maybe. Less abstract. Elements of that kingdom coming and his will being done could be, for example, your sons being reconciled with Christ and living the life Yahweh planned for them, crafted for them, purposed for them. Or the areas of your life that are affected by the lie of the spirit of poverty, areas where you see consistent lack, cycles of destruction. And for you to, 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 to acquire, to enter into all the things God set apart for you that are delayed or have been devoured, and etc. I'm sure you can find personal examples. That is a cause. There is a cause, not just for you, but so that the name of God will be exalted to the ends of the earth. So that the principalities and powers will see the, the, the manifold wisdom of God through us. That's actually in the Bible. God wants to use us to remind the principalities and powers and, domination, and dominations of his, of, of his wisdom and his power. I'm, I'm looking for it. I have to read that passage uh, um, because it's important. We're not just here for us. Let's read that. It's Ephesians 3.10. Ephesians 3.10. Let me find... Um, I really like the... the King, uh, compute Jewish Bible, so it'll take me a few seconds. Let me look for that version. So Ephesians 3.10 says, oh, I have to go to uh, a bit further. That's the middle of a sentence. So Ephesians, let's say 3. <laughs> yes, three eight to 10. To me, the least important of all God's holy people that's the Apostle Paul, was given this privilege of announcing to the Gentiles the good news of the Messiah's unfathomable riches. Verse 9, and of letting everyone see how this secret plan is going to work out. Because it starts with God revealing his secret plan. This plan, kept hidden for ages by God, the creator of everything, verse 10, is for the rulers and authorities in heaven to learn through the existence of the Messianic community how many-sided God's wisdom is. Let me read that in another version. Let's say, for example, the New King James version. Okay, let's do that. So we we really this really sinks in. Again, from verse eight to ten. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, I mean, side comment. How can the apostle Paul say that? Yeah, what humility! This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent, verse 10, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And it carries on. I mean, the book of Ephesians, that chapter 3 is fantastic. So there is a purpose. There is a cause. There are many causes. 
There's the glory of God. There's, there's the fact that the enemy has to stay under the feet of Jesus and we are part of that. We collaborate with God if we are willing to. There's the fact that there is the fact that God actually wants his purposes and plans to come to pass. That is why he watches over his word to accomplish it. What he starts, he finishes. Okay? So why am I referring to what we say in, the, in this episode? What's, why is it important what we say? Because the, the title of the episode is Don't Remain Silent, House of God, There is a Cause. Why? I'm sure you already sort of know where I'm getting at. You see, when Ezekiel comes to this valley where there are dry bones, what does God tell him? Not wail and cry and roll on the ground. Speak to the bones. Speak to the bones. The power of life and death is on the tongue. That's in the book of Proverbs. I've given some references if you look at the description of of, of the, the podcast. What we say in agreement with God's plans and purposes for us produces good fruit, brings life where there's death. In a similar way, if we say things that are negative and in disagreement with what God wants for us, that brings destruction, limitation, etc. Okay? I mean, are you tired of seeing things that you know God has for you not materialize? If you aren't, thank you for listening. (laughs) You can go and listen to something else. But this this episode is for people who are tired of knowing that God wants some things and not seeing them materialized and who actually want to do something about it. And I'm encouraging you. There's, there's, a, there's a, an extent to which we have to come to the end of ourselves to really want these things. I believe I have. What is this cause? What's this cause? We are co-workers with Christ called to accomplish his purposes. Christ went through excruciating pain and humiliation for us to be reconciled with God, which is great. But that's not the end. We're also called to do the things that he did, and greater ones, etc. We are the light of the world. Yes, Christ is the light of the world, but we are also the light of the world. It's written in the Bible. We have things to do. If God calls us to co-work with him, it means there's work to be done. Back to the mouth, the Bible emphasizes the importance of what we say, which proceeds from what we hold in our hearts. So as all scientists and most lay people now know, voice is frequency, waves, right? Energy. So we can understand from that simple proven truth that when we open our mouth to speak the will of God in alignment with what he purposed and planned for us to do, empowered by his spirit, We are releasing a frequency into our world, into the room we're in, into the ears of the people we're speaking to, into the bodies over which we're speaking, into the circumstances over which we're speaking. We're releasing a frequency that changes matter, that changes circumstances, that changes lives, that heals bodies, that makes the impossible possible, the frequency of heaven, the voice of God speaking through us. In the title I said, House of God. We are the house of God. God lives in us. Reading the story of David and Goliath, you will notice that he went around the camp repeating the same thing to various people, as I mentioned earlier. 
He was releasing that frequency of what God said about the situation in the camp, thus counteracting the negative words spoken repeatedly by the giant, who obviously was aware of the spiritual truth as well. David is changing the chatter in that military camp because he's bringing the frequency of that chatter of the voices of deceit, of disillusionment, of desperation that had been communicated to the, the, Israel, the Israelites back into alignment with the frequency of heaven, which always, always releases victory and wholeness and healing and freedom. So sister, brother, house of God, do not shut your mouth. Do not stay silent. Guard your heart above all things. That's in the Bible. Yes. So you can make sure that what comes into your heart, your mind, your thoughts, what you're holding in your heart is always aligned with what God says about you and others. And when the whispers or the screams of the enemy in this world drown out the truth and that affects you because it does affect us, try not to listen. Turn in. Turn to the words God speaks to you. Remember what God has done in the past. Remember his track record. Yahweh has an outstanding track record. Outstanding. And remembering is not a passive thing. It doesn't just happen. We, we, we tend to say that, oh, I remember, I don't remember, as if we didn't have any control over it. We actually have, a, have control over it, otherwise God would not have commanded us, I don't know how many times in the Bible, to remember. It's an active verb. It's a choice. We, 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 we can choose to remember the things that God has done as opposed to remembering our defeats or our failures. And we can then position ourselves in, the way that we, in a way that we, we remember voluntarily the goodness of God, his consistency through the generations. I'm going, to, I'm going to say something that might sound surprising to some of you, but go and look it up. Let your left amygdala in your brain, which contains your positive memories, and so will also contain, I believe, the track record of the goodness of God and his faithfulness to you, be awakened in the name of Jesus. Be reconnected and put on the same level as the right amygdala that holds trauma in the name of Jesus. So that you will not only always be singing the song of the right amygdala, but that everything will be brought back into balance by the Spirit of God. So your spirit is able to tap into the good things, not just the bad. And say, yes, God, yes, but God, yes, but God, yes, but God, but God, but God, when faced with the enemy's screams of whispers or whatever the enemy is throwing at you until those negative things disappear and fade into the background where they belong. Then you will once again be able to open your mouth and, and speak the frequency of heaven into your circumstances. Speak the, the frequency of heaven over your loved ones. Speak the frequency of heaven over the nations. Speak, 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 speak. Do not be silent because there is a cause to speak for. If we don't speak, who is going to speak? The enemy is not exactly shy, is he? We need to speak. We need to speak. We need to speak. I believe this is the time. This is the time, house of God. This is the time to speak. This is not the time to be silent. This is not the time to be silent. Let's look at Habakkuk. This is a Bible verse that people like to, to speak. Uh, you know, the knowledge of God will cover the earth. Is that familiar to you? The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's another version. Let me pull it out. Actually, let's look at the whole, the whole, the whole chapter. Sometimes we pick out verses from a chapter, but we should really look at what comes before and what comes right after. 
Habakkuk is a watchman. He sees things happen be- long before everybody else sees them. He starts, uh, this the chapter, Habakkuk 2 starts with, I will stand at my watch post. This is the prophet speaking. I will station myself on the rampart. I will look to see what God will say through me and what I will answer when I'm reproved. Okay? You can look at it in another version. I'm reading the complete Jewish Bible. As he said that, as he stood there ready, stationed himself on the rampart, which is elevated above the, the ground level, which so there's, there's also a positioning there, he intentionally looked to see what God would say. And to, to get from God the answers he would have to give to people when he would be reproved. Let me briefly, quickly look at in a, a more standard English version, then I'll come back to that. Just so that this message really sinks in. So in plain English, New King James Version, it says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. So it wasn't too different from the complete Jewish Bible. Right, let's go back to the complete Jewish Bible. I won't read the whole of Habakkuk 2, but I encourage you to read it all. Adonai answered the prophet, he said, write down the vision clearly on tablets so that even a runner can read it. So that's in big characters, yeah? For the vision is meant for its appointed time. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. It may take a while, but wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. These are the types of truths, by the way, that we can speak to ourselves, make sure we hold them in our hearts and speak out. So the Lord then goes into describing a whole uh, a series of really bad things. He talks about the proud. He talks about wine. Uh, he talk, um, I think he means the, the abuse of alcohol. He talks about the arrogant who will not live in peace. Um, but keeps expanding his desires like Sheol, like death, he can never be satisfied. He talks about people who destroy others, who destroy nations. He talks about people who amass other people's wealth and the consequences of all that. He even issues some specific uh, corrective words. Verse 8, because you plundered many nations, all the rest of the peoples will plunder you. There's, there's so much in there. A, a really strong highlight on what is unjust, what is not righteous. So God is kind of exposing sin and calling it what it is, you know, and talking about the consequences and saying, woe to him who builds a city with blood and founds a town on injustice and, and, and talks about, and, and verse 13 refers to Adonai Tsevaoth. Adonai Tsevaoth. So what's, what's Adonai Tsevaoth? Um... Some people say Jehovah Sebaoth, the Lord of hosts. So this is a reference to the armies of God under uh, who, who, that, that who come under the authority of God. Okay, it emphasizes his authority, the fact that he commands over all things. Um, it's used quite often in the Bible, apparently 235 uh, times by different prophets. So the heavenly host is an army. Adonai Tevaot is the one that we call in battle, for example. Okay? The army. David called on him when he when he takes he took on Goliath. Okay? So where was I? Habakkuk. Habakkuk talks about Adonai Tevaot as well. Which is interesting because with all this violence that God is denouncing, I mean it's not a stretch to think that God is preparing an army to come against that violence. So let's just read those uh, few verses, 12, 13, that lead to 12, 14, that people often quote without reading what comes just before. Verse 12, 
Woe to him who builds a city with blood and founds a town on injustice, so that people toil for what will be burnt up and nations exhaust themselves to no purpose. That sounds really familiar. It sounds like many places on, in the world right now. Isn't all this from Adonai Tzavaot? Verse 14, For the earth will be as full of the knowledge of Adonai's glory as water covering the sea. I don't know about you, but the fact that this very positive, and it is very positive, passage, line, verse 14, is surrounded by a, a sort of condemnation of all that is negative and unjust before that verse and after that verse indicates that it is through the correction of God using his armies, his hosts, that the earth will be as full of the knowledge of Adonai's glory as the water covering the sea. God is going to do something about it. And he says it in verse 16. The cup of Adonai's right hand will be turned against you. Your shame will exceed your glory for the violence done to the Levanon will overwhelm you. The destruction of wild animals will terrify you because of the bloodshed and violence done to the land, the city, and all who live there. God is going to do something about it. That's what it means. So yes, praise God. The earth will be as full of the knowledge of Adonai's glory as water covering the sea. But there's a cost. There's a cost. And uh, this book of Habakkuk, uh, uh, chapter 2, finishes with, But Adonai is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. <laughs> so I'm saying we need to speak. And yes, we do. And, and the Bible calls us to speak. And God calls the prophets to prophesy frequently. But in a, in, in a case when there's so much recklessness and violence and abuse manifested in all sorts of horrid ways, we need to remember that God, Yahweh, is sovereign. He is sovereign. That might have seemed like a digression, but I have something else to add. So if we are to speak, and the Bible tells us that what comes out of our mouth comes from the abundance of our heart. Again, it's a Bible verse. We need to make sure our heart is in the right place. That we are seeking first the kingdom of God so that what flows from our mouth is truly aligned with Yahweh. Interestingly enough, God didn't say, seek me first. He didn't say, seek uh, um, uh, Jesus first. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's uh, the English Standard Version. If I go back to my version of choice, the complete Jewish Bible, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. By these things, he's referring, it means all the other things, material things, uh, what we need in, in, in life. Food, money, housing, etc. Seek first his kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Reading the Bible and doing a word search about the kingdom of God, there seems to be two... Um, understandings two definitions of it one is a future new earth new heavens that god will roll out and there's another one that is the manifestation of the kingdom of god now through signs wonders healings etc jesus often refers to that so when i, I believe when we're encouraged to seek first the kingdom of god it's both to be attuned and and and, and skewed positively towards God's plans and what he's going to do in the future for eternity, but also in bringing the power of the kingdom of God, which is with us and in us now and hidden for those who do not believe, through getting it to break through in this world, through healing, through love, through blessings, etc. 
Let's give let's see an example of that that second definition of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 12 verse I think I will start at verse 22. Matthew chapter 12 verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, "Could this be the son of David?" Verse 24, now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Verse 25, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here, Jesus is referring to the fact that the kingdom of God comes with signs and wonders. So that's one, an, an example. Yeah? Um, and also, the kingdom of God bears fruit. Matthew twenty-one forty-three says, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. So some people can receive the kingdom of God here, an empowering of the Holy Spirit, and there are fruits that come out of that. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. To the disciples, Mark 4.11, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And there's a parable of the growing seed that talks about the kingdom of God. where uh, The whole story of scattering seed on the ground, etc. Okay? Mark 9, 1, Jesus says to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present in power. There, we have so much to learn about this. I would encourage you, because that's what I'm, I'm doing, to ask God what the kingdom of God is. Ask Yahweh what he, he, he means, what are the different meanings of the kingdom of God. He has given us the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So again, that may feel like a digression, but it's all linked. So when we seek first the kingdom of God, our heart is turned towards the kingdom of God. God's will is our treasure. Okay, what occupies our thoughts, what we long for, what we, we work for, what we meditate on, what we think on. From that abundance of life in our hearts will flow out of our mouths words that are truly aligned with Yahweh. Because, you see, I don't know about you, but I don't want to listen to zombies speaking. No one wants to listen to zombies speaking. I'm pretty sure of that. Why do I say zombies? Because when we came to Christ, we died. When we came to Christ, we died. And he wants us to stay dead. He lives in us. He lives through us. We died. So every time we attempt to not stay dead, to rise up again in our flesh, we rise up as zombies. So obviously, a zombie can only produce dead works. The words that come out of the mouth of a zombie are probably, undoubtedly, death, not life. Let's look at the disciples, for example. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even afterwards a bit, in the Acts and stuff. You see that there's a lot that the disciples and, and sometimes the apostles did not understand. And yet, they did so much. 
they did so much. They, they, it was all new at the time. They were the precursors. They were the forerunners of forerunners. They were walking alongside Jesus, co constantly baffled by what he did. There's a lot they didn't understand, but they, they did so much. Why? Because they, they were leaning on Jesus. They were leaning on Yahweh. They were leaning on Yahweh. Whatever little knowledge they had, they were walking in truth. They were walking in power. They would go and, and, and preach the gospel, and people would come to, 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 to Christ, to faith, be reconciled with God, and demons would flee, and the sick would be healed, and the paralytic would walk. They walked in power. That is the kingdom of God. That is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. When they spoke life, life actually came out. That frequency of life came out of their mouth and changed things around them. And we are in a generation where there's so much content online, in books, everywhere about, about, the, about the word, the mysteries, we, we, we can study and all of that. But where is the power? What has happened to us? The book of Daniel gives this prophecy about a time when a great knowledge will be released to believers and, and, and believers actually as well because I, I don't know if you've noticed the, the dark arts are, 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 are blatant everywhere. So this knowledge has been, has been released by God on earth. We know so much more. But, but really, the, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. And the thing with knowledge is, if you get excited by knowledge, you tend to focus on knowledge, on what you know. You get excited and hungry for more knowledge, and more often than not, we forget to put first the kingdom of God. You see, I don't think there's anything wrong with knowledge, especially when we're talking about knowledge, knowing the mysteries of God. I think he actually wants to reveal them to us. But we have to do that. We have to have satisfied our hunger to know more in submission to Christ, keeping as our priority the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So, sister, brother, I've spoken about many things. I believe all these things are tied together. This is an encouragement in this new season to focus on the goodness of God, to remember him, to make his priorities ours, to seek first his kingdom, to keep our eyes on him so that we can see what he's doing, so that we can, like Jesus, do only what we see him do, and to speak, to speak, to speak, to speak life, to speak life in our circumstances, to bless and not to curse. Because those words of life, that frequency of life, that frequency of God can actually change our circumstances and the, word, the world around us. The word can change the world around us. So, sister, brother, house of God, ecclesia of the living God, let's not remain silent in this season. There is a cause, and it's a worthy cause. It's the worthiest cause. We have reason to speak. Our world needs to come to life to realign with Yahweh's plans and purposes, and life and death are in the power of the tongue. Let this be a prompt to good works from me to you, and receive a fresh revelation of who you are and who God is. Let us cleanse our hearts and speak truth from our mouths. Blessings. Bye. Till next time.